All right, so we're in Titus 2, the end of verse 3, and looking at a healthy church uh, where godly leaders are in place. Uh, the culture is informed by false teachers that have, uh, probably some of them have a large following, uh, depending on how dynamic their personalities are, and they are adding to the lying, uh, wild, evil beast, and lazy culture and not contradicting it. And we've said before that the gospel uh, helps a culture to be godly. And you'll see the word godly in Titus 1.1. You'll see godliness described here. To help a healthy church, you have to have godly people in it. Uh, a church is no stronger than all the individual people, just like <laughs> a family is no stronger than the people in it. And, and so it is with any organization, um, any job. Um, any company is only as strong as the people that are employed there. So the older men are to be uh, those things in verse two. Older women, likewise, like the men, godly, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. And then, so going from what they are to be to what they are to do. All right. So the being versus uh, doing. And so... It always starts with this is how this is how godliness works. It doesn't start with this is what you should be doing. No, it starts with this is what you should be. Okay, so the being is first and the doing is second. So the being is you can see the word to be in verse two and in verse three. So they are to now they are this is what they're to do. All right. So what do you see at the end of verse three that the older women, after we're told what they are to be? Um, what are they to do? Teach what is good. That's actually one word in the Greek. It's a pretty interesting word. Uh, to teach what is good. This is the only time in the New Testament this word appears, and it's actually not mentioned outside of the New Testament that we have in ancient Greek. So when we see that, when we see that, it is likely that Paul coins a term. He puts two words together that aren't really together. Uh, and he he makes a word that captures what he's trying to say. Question? Yeah, when he says older woman, you have to be old teach, or is this old in, in Right. So if you look back at verse one, Titus, we're not sure how old Titus is, but I'm assuming he's younger than Paul. Paul's writing this. So Titus may be middle-aged because he is a trusted young man back in Second Corinthians, and we're reading Second Corinthians now as a church. You'll see Titus mentioned. He's a trusted young man then. This is written after 2 Corinthians, and he's mentioned here. Uh, so he may be middle age at this point, and he is to teach what accords with sound doctrine. Obviously, previously, uh, the elders in a church are to teach sound doctrine and, con and those who contradict rebuke them. So it's not an age. It's more of a character. Okay. And because if you look at all the language, it doesn't say like second first or second timothy says widows in the church aren't to be cared for by the church unless they're 60 years old and then it, it lists so older and we said this a couple weeks ago older is a relative term like my kids look at me or those younger here look at me and say i'm old and i'm i'm 44 <laughs> and at 44 most of you say oh that's not old i wish i could be 44 again right so older is a relative term but if you look at the descriptions, context determines how we interpret. Uh, 
and we can be respectable. And Timothy was told, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. Here are godly men and women who are respected. They're reverent. They have godliness and the, the church knows it. So if you, you that are older than me here, if there were younger than you people here that, that needed self-control, that's the idea that's going after where the younger men and the younger women need someone in their life that's wis that's wise, godly, and is going to teach them how to practically live. And we'll see the practical facets here. So I have to teach, every parent has to teach their kids. So we don't want to say, well, I'm not old enough to teach my kids. Well, no, you gotta, you're a parent. <laughs> okay, so you got to teach. Uh, same with people in church. People in a church, the godly women are to teach uh, the ungodly women. Age is just a relative term. Okay. I, I'm going to assume here that the older women know how to do these things because they're going to teach their husbands or teach their, the younger women to do them. Okay. So train them. What is good is the broad term of which he's going to describe what that looks like. Okay. So training or teaching what is good. It says there, teach what is good. And so train. Okay. See that in verse four. So how do older women, they are to be certain things that puts them in a position to train or to teach what is good. Does that make sense? So they're to have godly character, respectable, like the older men are respectable, likewise, respectable, reverent behavior, so that when the elders in a church, Titus in particular, needs help in helping this church to grow, he's got older men and older women who he can lean on and say, okay, I can't do all the ministry here. There's just so much influence of the culture on this church. This church is struggling. It needs godly men and women in it to help the leadership. And so Titus has uh, some framework um, some to know who to look for to help him. And it's not necessarily leadership. The leadership is mentioned in chapter one. This is everybody in the pew of a church. The older women, older men, here's your standard that we're going to shoot for and as we as leaders here as elders we're looking for you to help us train the next generation okay where does the generations divide i'm not really that concerned with i'm a boomer or i'm a generation it doesn't really matter i'm looking for godliness in the older helping the younger to be godly who are going to help the next generation to be godly i'm so i use the word next generation a lot when i i think of this so you have to be godly so that you can help the next generation. They have to be godly so they can help the next generation. Okay, so I wouldn't get too hung up on the older. It's He doesn't mean to be offensive. Like, oh, how dare he say older? <laughs> like, I'm not older. Well, okay, he's just giving you, okay, older people that act like that probably aren't godly. Okay, so godly people like embrace their age and say, you know what? <laughs> I'm not getting any younger, but I'm going to use my age to help this church be healthy. Okay, that's the that's what he's going after, okay? So don't get too hung up on the older men and older women or the younger men and the younger women. Okay, so generations are building relationships with each other. So the older women are to be, and then they are to teach what is good. So what does teach what is good look like? He has this word train in verse four. So train the young women to do certain things, all right? They are probably examples. 
Okay. You can't train someone. If you go to the gym and you hire a personal trainer and they are extremely overweight, <laughs> out of shape, if they got on the treadmill for 30 seconds, they would say, <laughs> I can't, I can't recall. Okay. You wouldn't want that person training you. No. Why? Because their body is not trained. Okay. Their body is untrained. Okay, self-control. That's the idea here of godly people are self-controlled people. We know that from, this is near the end of when the New Testament's written. So he's building on what Galatians has said. Spirit-controlled Christians are self-controlled. They're temperate in all things. And so you would never hire a physical trainer, a personal trainer at the gym that didn't put in the reps didn't keep themselves in shape. And you'd say, you know what? You can tell me whatever you want, but I don't see, <laughs> I don't see where you have the um, ability to, to train yourself. So I don't really want you to train me. Okay. It would go, it would do the same thing. If we had ungodly leaders in chapter one, you don't have a healthy church unless you have godly leaders. Those godly leaders can't identify the older and, and older men and women who can help them because they're ungodly. They are part of the culture, part of the problem of their, their liars. They're taking advantage of people. They're manipulative and they're lazy. Okay. So they are influenced by the culture and we know, and we have seen they're out of control and we have and heard horror stories of people that had a position of spiritual leadership and used that position to take advantage of people. They were greedy for gain that we saw here, like false teachers are, and they aren't worth following. And the people in those churches, in an unhealthy, they're an unhealthy church because they have ungodly leadership. And the people under them are like, why should I be godly if my leadership's not? Okay. So it is with, if you have younger men and younger women in a church that want to have a healthy church and they're looking up to, and they should look up to the older men and older women, and they can't because there's ungodliness and there aren't older men and older women. So then we have to wait a generation for the younger to become the older. And so I don't think that's the case here with most cultures and most churches, because God's going to save people and God is saving in our church people from every generation. In the last two years, we have seen people in their seventies, fifties, uh, and then younger people, trust Christ and be baptized. And so that's an exciting uh, part of our church. And we want to see that keep going because our church is trying to influence our culture to be godly. Um, and so uh, let's go to the, to teach what is good. And so train, train the young women to do two things here in verse four. What do you see the older women helping the younger women to do? Love their husbands, love their children. If you looked at that in the Greek, love your husband is one word. Uh, and he doesn't use the word agape love. Uh, he uses the word phileo love. But phileo is also at the beginning of philanthropy. What comes to your mind when you think of the word philanthropy? It's a long word, but someone is very philanthropic. Or we hear that thrown around in our culture. It's, it's a good thing. Okay, right? Anything else come to your mind when you think of giving and generous philanthropy? 
you've heard of the term phileo love or natural and affection. Uh, we get our uh, Philadelphia, the brotherly love. Well, philanthropy is loving. Anthropy is mankind. Lover of mankind. And so anyone who is philanthropic is a lover of mankind. So he gives to or she gives to help the poor, uh, help dig wells in places that don't have uh, clean water and uh, sends medical help all around the world. So those would be missions. And some some of them are gospel center and some of them aren't. They're all many religions want to start hospitals and orphanages and digging wells and, and, the, and the things to and help people in in war-torn areas so those would be philanthropy so instead of loving mankind he adds he takes the philant at the at the beginning or phileo and adds husbands love your men love your children okay so what does this look like a trainer who is a godly woman who is going to come alongside the younger women and she's going to teach them what is good. Okay. She's going to help. Now I can't by example, <laughs> I can't by example, teach younger women how to love their husbands because I am never going to have a husband. Yeah. And that's a good thing, right? <laughs> uh, now there are some churches where you could have that, but that is an unbiblical church, unhealthy. All right. So, this is where Titus has the responsibility. He is teaching sound doctrine, healthy doctrine to the older men and to the older women and says, okay, I need you guys to help me train the next generation. I can't, and Titus couldn't either. I can't teach the younger women to love their husbands and love their children. I could teach the older men because I'm a man, uh, but there's a, there is a benefit. There is an influence that the older women have that the most godly leaders the elders of chapter one and titus himself and the older men aren't going to have in in families to help a healthy healthy church so what does teaching your um or training the younger women to love their husbands what does that look like okay and many of you uh older women here embrace it and say okay if I have a younger woman who comes and she hates her husband <laughs> and I say, okay, I've got some godly ladies here at church who are going to, would love to sit down with you and talk with you. Where, what would you, what would you do to teach a, um, teach a younger woman to train her to love her husband, teach her what is good? Well, what comes to your mind? Okay, so thinking about, I'm going to summarize so that we have it recorded. So think about what you love about your husband and the love for your husband. Uh, could we say over overcomes or overwhelms the the disagreement or what causes you to Definitely. Okay, good. Oh, interesting, interesting. All, of us. all right. <laughs> all right, practical. Go ahead. So, so uh, right now, I'm just thinking about the 
bring up Claudium and he's got an empty stomach like I'm telling I remember that growing up that my mom and dad would not have serious conversations after my dad got home from work and uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that but so feed your husband before you talk about sensitive okay that doesn't necessarily that's wisdom that doesn't necessarily have a chapter and verse okay so this is uh, others I'd love for other and this is going to be recorded so that I so that the, I can share that tonight as well with the younger women that come tonight and those who can watch. You have to love them in the first place. <laughs> okay, so you have to love them in the first, in the first place. place otherwise. Right. right. So you know that there is, I was thinking of this this morning. Um, my wife doesn't have, she's not flesh and blood with me. My kids are flesh and blood with me, and my parents are visiting. They're flesh and blood with me, but my wife is can be looked at as an in-law. <laughs> that she is, or some would say outlaw, <laughs> right? Uh, so the natural love that uh, we would normally have for our kids or our parents, it doesn't come natural for women to naturally love their husbands. It has to be, according to this, it has to be a trained thing. Why? Because your husband's not your flesh and blood. Does that make sense? Because mm -hmm. uh, you tell you tell uh, moms to love their kids. They're like, oh, of course I'm going to love my kids. I have a natural love because I gave birth to them. And then my kids have kids now. Many of you have grandkids or grandnieces and nephews. And you're like, of course I'm going to natural love for them because they're part of my flesh and blood. But my husband? Eh. And there's an instant, uh, a natural love. I have to work on loving him, okay? All right, right. So this is where the older can help the younger because loving your husband doesn't come naturally. Agape love is not natural, it's commanded. Here is the one place, I think, other than Romans 12, where loving your husband is, is it, you have to be trained to do it. You have to be commanded to do it, okay? There is a lot more that can be said, and we could park on this one thing and get more input from you. But the input that I really want is for you ladies to build relationships with younger women in our church. And you come alongside them because they're in the trenches of motherhood, trying to learn how to be a mom, and they haven't done this before, and try to love their husbands all at the same time. When a culture is telling them, you don't have to submit to your husband. Submission is so outdated. Yeah. That's what was true in the Cretan culture too. Submission, they the Cretan culture would have laughed at submission to authority. Submit to your husbands, yeah, whatever. Okay, that's what it would have been like then too. So to love your husband has to be older helping the younger. All right, and also it says train them to love their children. This is also, I believe, one word. To have a natural love for your children. And you ask younger women and you moms, what was it like when your kids got on your nerves? When all of your kids got on all of your nerves at the same time, what was it like? Chaos. <laughs> you had thoughts of how can I eliminate these children and get away with it? 
okay? And you laugh, but you've all thought that. <laughs> and I have heard stories, and every every biblical counselor that I've heard has had someone in his office or her office that the young mom has, and I watched the news of so this mom drowning her kids and thought, yeah, I don't see, that's not, in, in a Christian culture, that likely would have happened as well, okay? Because if you're a lazy mom and you're a violent mom, you're out of control and you are a, uh, a liar mom, you are at times tempted to take the life of your kids, all right? And you say, that's awful, okay? And we watch the news when moms take the life of their kids. And you're like, that's awful. But apart from the Holy Spirit and apart from older women helping younger women, I don't know why it doesn't happen more. Okay, it doesn't happen more because there's some natural love that a mom has for their kids. But when moms abandon their kids uh, and when moms abuse their kids, uh, they need to be trained. They have never, and they're, we're, gonna, we're gonna be in a culture where very, very rarely is there any training on how to love your kids. Okay, so this is where the older women and this is godly women. These are sacred women. So if you were a sacred older woman, reverent in behavior, you're going to come alongside a young mom and say, you know what? Your call to be a mom is the highest calling you could have. Okay, don't. And so in our culture, just in the last 20, 30 years, and you, many of you have lived through the last 20, 30 years, what comes to your mind when um, you, some of you ladies were called a housewife or a homemaker. I looked these up on the internet to see what the culture says about those two labels today. What, what do you think the culture says about those two housewife or homemaker? What do you think the culture says? <laughs> but you are. Okay. So you've embraced it, but what do you think the culture would say? What do you think? Um, I'm sorry. They think it's low. Okay. What else did the, the culture think? They think it's wrong. How, how do you think they think it's wrong? Thinking of my own family. I'm not, uh, I'm not that old yet. But my mother was a housewife. Okay. Um, and a homemaker. And I think today's culture looks on that and just a, a lonely way to live. Okay. You know, but back then, it was all you had. Right. Okay. So back then it was all you had and today it's it's lowly anything else to add no worth okay what good are you because they would say you're not productive in society you're wasting your life good good and so you older women need to come alongside these younger women some of them have to work and they don't want to. Yeah. Uh, my wife works and she doesn't want to. She'd love to stay at home. We just we can't, okay? And that's typical in New England because the, the price of houses yeah. and everything is just too high. You have to work some, yeah. right? So, um, and even if these stay-at-home moms, we would say stay-at-home moms now instead of housewife or homemaker, um, come alongside them and say, you know what scripture says to you in Titus 2? Let's keep reading to uh, love their husbands, love their children, 
to be self-controlled, uh, pure, working at home. The culture, and if you watch Leave it to Beaver, um, from, I don't know when Leave it to Beaver, probably the 1950s, maybe early 60s, was it was an honor for women to stay home. It was a respectable, uh, aspiring young girls couldn't wait to be a stay-at-home mom. And they only wanted to be a mom. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a mom. Like now, if they go to school or the doctor and the doctor or the, the guidance counselor or the teacher says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the girl says, a mom. You think they would probably go for counseling. Like, hey, something's wrong with you, little girl. You've got to go. You got to go for counseling because I don't know what brainwashing you've gotten or what kind of patriarchy or some sort of oppressive home that you live in. And if you go to that little girl's home and watch that her mom is a stay-at-home mom and loves it and taught her daughter to aspire to love that too, you think, this is actually the way culture used to be. <laughs> they still have it today. I watch it at least once. What's that? Leave it to Beaver, right. And I don't mind my kids watching. <laughs> I actually love Leave it to Beaver. I can't, I'm not, I don't have restrictions on my kids for watching old shows like Andy Griffith or Leave it to Beaver because I'm like, like I can put them in front of that or watching that on online. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. You can watch that. And, uh, but the new stuff, I'm like, I don't even know if that movie's good and we got to watch it. And my kids are getting to the point where they are, if they're godly, they're going to say, you know what? This new stuff is trash and the old stuff is good. <laughs> and why is the old stuff better is because it looked more like Titus 2. Now, an ungodly culture isn't going to see the connection, but someone who has God's word, someone who has who comes to church, someone who has a relationship with a godly older woman at church that says, you know why Leave it to Beaver is still showing reruns? Because it's good. It's wholesome. Its dad is respected and he's dignified and he takes care of mom. He doesn't argue with mom. If they have a disagreement, they go in and they talk about it and they resolve it. If he does something wrong, he apologizes. It's just how godly people should be living at home the problem is we don't have godly homes today and so we don't have and if if this trend continues in 50 years where everybody's on their devices all the time then there's no relationships being built at home we come to church and we expect titus 2 at church and like what? What does that look like? It's not happening at my home. And this is just a foreign thing. And we got to get back. We got to keep building relationships. We're going to stop here and we'll pick it up in verse five. But um, to be self-controlled is the same word that is told of older men. It is not the same term of older women, but you see that concept in the beginning of verse three, controlling her language of not a slander or slave to much wine. 
and then you'll see it as the only thing for younger men is to be self-controlled. Uh, so uh, we will uh, we'll stop uh, here and, uh, and pick it up next next week.